Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Acknowledging that this is a big season of change. A lot of times children have gone. Sometimes you're at retirement stuff and with a husband or, you know, these big pivot points in life. But it doesn't mean it is an ending of something. It's we're pivoting into something new. So to me, the biggest thing is a mind shift. This is a time that, oh, I get to I get to turn a page. Oh, and look at this page is blank. And I get to write a whole new story. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. Hey, if you are a regular listener and you have not provided a review for the podcast, I'd love for you to go out and let people know if you are appreciating it and give a review because that helps other people find the podcasts that they're looking for. I'm so appreciative that you hang out with me here in the podcast world. Now, today we're going to be talking about midlife. As I talk to women in the second half of their life, here's something that I run into. I run into their belief that the most meaningful moments of life are behind them. But what if the most meaningful moments of life are really yet to come? I talk about this in my Empty Nestful Life book. I mean, this is where we get to enjoy our, what I call, encore season of life and leverage the reality that, as today's guest says, that we know more, we've done more, we've lost more, and we've loved more. So we have so much to offer the world in the second half of life. Helping us unpack this topic is Dawn Barton. Dawn is the author of Midlife Battle Cry, and she is calling women into their second half mission. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Dawn. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. I know this is fun. Although we've already started out with a disagreement in life, you found out on my on my blog that I um, don't like nuts in my brownies and you were you were offended by that so offended that's so wrong is that even legal i don't think so i mean it's the contrast between the crunch and the soft that makes it so right and you think that's what makes it so wrong it yeah it ruins a perfect brownie (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. That was so funny when you and I, I mean, we've not met before for today. I mean, I knew about your books and I've, I followed you on, um, on Instagram, but it was so funny that that's how we started the topic today. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a fun conversation. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a miracle. I'm even here after that, reading that horrible information. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I am excited to dive in and talk to you about the second half of life, but I discovered something this week. So before we dive into the second half and the midlife battle cry and all of that, I learned that you and I are both triple negative uh, breast cancer survivors. And that is a kind of a rare form of breast cancer. Um, most breast cancer is fueled by estrogen or progesterone and triple negative is not. Um, yeah. Well, it's actually most cancers are fueled by estrogen, progesterone or something called HER2. Um, and the reason it's called triple negative is because we're negative for all of those fuels. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, in general, uh, it also means they don't know what fuels it, though. So they throw everything at it. And Harder to treat, right? Yeah. So uh, I had surgery, chemo, and radiation. What about you? Uh, I had six months of chemotherapy, mastectomy, and thirty-eight rounds of radiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was so. stage three when I when it when I was diagnosed. So yeah. Hmm. So that really, um, yeah, that's very similar. I didn't, my chemo didn't go on quite as long, but I was only stage one. So I'm sure that made a big difference. And um, early detection makes such a difference, doesn't it? Huge, huge difference, huge difference. And, and I'm such an advocate of the, the self exams continually. Um honestly, mine wasn't found with a scan. They were wrong. And um, so it was the self-detection that found mine. Um, Yes. Yeah. It was the self-detection and and just the gut instincts of a doctor. So praise God. Right. Right. And for me, mine could never be felt and it was only Mm -hmm. seen on a scan. And so, so, right. So, I mean, really, we got to do both because- Um, it really does make a difference. So, um, uh, you know, definitely for those of you that are listening, uh, make sure that you are doing those monthly self exams, make sure that you are going for your annual visit, um, you know, and then uh, get those mammograms as well. So very, very important. So John, you um, have a passion for calling women into this journey in their second half of life. And, and I love that you kind of think of it as a battle cry. So uh, talk about why you decided to tackle this topic. It's really, it's only your second book. Um, uh-huh. And so uh, what was your first book? Remind us what laughing that was. Through the, uh, laughing through the ugly cry. And that came out of your cancer journey. Came out of the cancer journey and, and a few other stories. I left a, a thriving career to follow a God calling to write it. It became a bestseller. It run, I won new author of the year, new Christian author of the year. And I mean, it's a, like this incredible God story. God's so cool. And, um, but I hit a, shall we say, I had my own little midlife crisis 
And um, because I did a little bit from that leap of faith, um, I went from a fast-paced life and career to this uh, a party of one. And that one wasn't always so fun to be with, <laughs> just me. And on top of that, I was, at the time, I was about to turn 50. And I, I felt um, a little bit like a racehorse who'd been put out to pasture, shall we say, wow. a little invisible, a little forgotten, and um, had to do a deep dive to find me again. But out of that birth, this book and this this battle cry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, talk about that deep dive to find you again. What did that mm. look like? What did that look like for you? Yeah, that's such a good question because I think, obviously, I think we need, women are looking for this. Oh, so what's the answer? Go ahead and tell me the big, you know, what do I do? And for me, it started with the smallest thing. I walked into my closet one day and I happened to notice that it was sort of this, you know, Morticia Adams uh, wardrobe all of a sudden. It was black and gray and a little tatty bit of white and taupe. And I just looked at it and I thought, you used to love coral. When did you quit wearing color? Mm-hmm. And the next day, so I really, I was like, what happened to me? I, you know, when did I start dressing to blend in and pull back a little rather than stand out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in a boldness that made me happy. The next day I went to the grocery store and the music playing happened to be Pavarotti's Nesum Dorma. I know I just nerded out here, so, <laughs> it, but I happen to love that song. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, I love it and it gives me chills and it made me stop. I mean, I completely stopped and thought, you used to have CDs with all these kind of one-off songs you loved and listened to them and created them, you know, what happened that you quit listening to music that stirred your soul. And those two things sent me on a journey where I put notes on my phone. This sounds so silly, but this did it for me. I put notes on my phone and I started documenting what stirred my soul from a favorite flower to a scent to my favorite foods to I just needed to be back in touch with who Don Barton was again. And what did I like in this season? Not when I was in my 20s. What did I like right now? Like, I figured out I don't like underwire bras anymore. I just don't. <laughs> I and love it. I, yes. I'm like, okay, so if you don't, then what's the solution? And so I did silly things like that. And I did things like buy new undergarments because I hadn't done it since I'd had a baby 17 years ago, you know, like things like that. It was, um, it was anything to find me again. Wow. I love that. And, you know, it's so interesting because I, I, um, do a lot of coaching and I do a lot of coaching for women in the second half of their life. And Uh that is often an assignment that I give them is to pay attention to uh, the things that you love, the things that you desire. I love how you use the word, the things that stir your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think this is particularly hard for women after they've raised raised a family because Mm -hmm. they have just been so focused on getting those kids raised and taking care of the needs of a family. And we just kind of lose track of who we are. Yeah. When I was diving into music, um, I dived into like, what music do I like to dance to? And then I was like, why did you quit? listening to all this stuff. And the reality was, it was because I was listening to Hannah Montana and Nickelodeon and, you know, that it was the 
the influx of kid music, right? Right. Um, and and a lot of my, I would listen to K-Love Radio, which I honestly I kind of listened to that the most, but, um, and I certainly wanted it on around when I was raising kids because I just kind of wanted the house that way. I just wanted worship music in our house, but um, I still like some music to make me dance, you know, to mm-hmm. get up and go. And I had lost a little bit of that. So, and then one of the chapters in the book is 21 days to I love me to finding that again. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. So um, talk a little bit more about your transition out of the successful sales career. Uh, what prompted that? What was kind of the, I need to do something different. What did that look like? Well, God's the bossiest thing. You know, he's just the bossiest thing. And it did not look like me coming up with a beautiful spreadsheet plan of this future of mine. It looked like I was the number seven sales director in Mary Kay Cosmetics at the time out of 600,000. I was had a very successful career. We had just had a record-breaking year. And I went to bed one night and God woke me up and said, you're going to write a book. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. Like, I am not a writer. No, <laughs> I don't make lists. I don't journal. It's just not. And God said, wake up, wake up, wake up, write this down. You're going to write a book. And I, when I tell that story, I fully acknowledge I sound a little crazy. I don't care how much a believer. It always sounds a little crazy to the outside world. But it. Um, the next day I Googled, how do you write a book? And um and then I felt him calling me to truly take a massive leap of faith and to leave and to leave my job. And the whole world thought I had, uh, I thought I lost my ever loving mind, you know, much less. Um, <laughs> what, I was like, I did too. Um, and I took that leap of faith and it wasn't easy. I didn't know the whole picture, but I knew he was calling me to take the next step. And I didn't know how to take the next step. I always knew how to take the next step. And right. it, it's this crazy God story of like, how he connected me quickly. As soon as I finished, I had an, one of the top literary agencies out in New York. And then I knew that I, it sounds crazy. I knew he was telling me early that it was supposed to be um, Thomas Nelson, Harper Collins, my publisher. And I remember telling my agent and she was like, yeah, um, ah, yeah, that, nice try, honey, you know, like kind of, but sure enough, you know, as soon as they got it, they signed it. And it's just this crazy, it's a crazy God story. And so my life radically changed. But because of that, I stepped into a world that I knew I had 30 years, I had nine years of Mary Kay, but I had 30 years of sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. And then to step into where I was always driven by numbers and achievements and accolades. I was always a top producer. And let's be honest, a lot of my identity was in that. I'm not going to lie. I was, you know, so much. So then when you put yourself in a world where the only accolade you're getting is like, did the house, was the house cleaned, you know? And and (laughs) I'm not a good housekeeper. I'm just going to tell you, (laughs) I was not in a world of my strengths. And on top of that, I stepped into the caretaking mode. Mm. So I, my world was rocked and I was devastated and I was angry at God. And I thought you have forgotten me. You gave me all of these gifts and now you're putting me in this world of a caretaker um, to my mother-in-law who moved into the house with us. And I had only met my mother-in-law five times prior to that. Whoa. So I was in, I know, and I love her with all my heart. And she lives with us. My parents live next door. We have kind of this clampets like you went to the country <laughs> scenario. <laughs> and um, we have a teenage daughter as well. But to step into a caretaking role when I don't think it's any of my 
natural giftings mm-hmm. was incredibly hard. And I doubted myself. I wasn't hearing from God like I was hearing from him when the book first came out. I mean, when I had the ideas of the book. Um, and all I could hear him say was, be still. And all I could say back is, it, you can't ask me. You made me. You know I can't be still. So I can't believe you're asking me to be still. And you're having me caretake. And I don't like doing that. <laughs> it's just like, I felt like it's this constant argument, childlike toddler argument with God for m- yes. many months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, it reminds me, I just um, watched a really neat documentary by a guy named Tim Ross. I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Ross, but he just, he was a senior pastor of a very successful church. And similarly, the Lord just said to him, he was also podcasting on the side and the Lord said, you are going to become a full-time podcaster. And um, so I just watched one of his Instagram reels and it was titled Obedience Over Understanding. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yes. Yes. I mean, oftentimes when God does ask us to do something and it doesn't even have to be something super big, like write a book Mm -hmm. or start a podcast, you know, it Mm -hmm. might be care for our mother-in-law. It might be take something to the neighbor. It might be offer your services Mm. here. Um, A lot of times we don't understand it. Mm -hmm. We do not understand it. And so therefore we delay doing it because of the lack of understanding. That is so true. And God really wants us to learn to trust him enough to go, I don't get this, but I'm going to trust you because mm-hmm. I tr- I trust that you want what is best for me. So mm-hmm. it's a, yeah, I'll take the steps. I don't like this. I don't understand this, but I will obediently take the next step that you've called me to take. Yeah. And and for me it was little steps, you know, it was little steps and 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 you know, in hindsight I figured out that the new things he called me to, I was good at doing them because of all the things I had done in my past. You know, like I I was perfectly capable of doing the next things. I didn't know that because mm-hmm. of all the different things he had me do in my past. Mm-hmm. Can you give some examples of that? Actually, a, a silly one that popped into mind was, um, you know, I'd come from an industry of managing hundreds, a team of hundreds of women. And uh, when we were launching the book, they're like, well, we're going to hire someone to do your launch team. And I was like, I don't need you to do that. If I can do one thing, it is manage a large team of women and be interactive with them and motivate them. And so that was from Mary Kay days and it brought over. And that was just a little thing. Um, I understood selling. I understood the publishing world a little bit more from their goal to sell the books because I had so many years in sales and marketing. And so, I, you know, a lot of those giftings came forward when I didn't know that they would. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, when somebody... Uh, picks up your book, Midlife Battle Cry. What are you hoping that they're gonna they're gonna walk away with? I'm, you know, first of all, I want it to want it to be time with a friend, laughing, mm. maybe crying a little, but us together talking. And I want her to leave with a new lease on life, a, a different motivation, a different excitement, just a whole. Um, different view of what the second half is than what she thought before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
being excited about that. I mentioned in my intro about it being the encore season of life. And I just, I love, um, I feel like, and it's kind of like what you just said, um, you know, an encore is when you get to go back and you get to sing some of the favorite songs in the show. And, um, and that's what you get to do in the second half of your life, but maybe in different environments than what you have. You know, last night our grandson was um was here and and you know, all of a sudden I'm online helping him figure out some things for school and I'm making dinner for him and some of the things that I don't have to do anymore, but I can enjoy. I mean, we make dinner, but I, I didn't, I don't normally make hot dogs for dinner and that's what he wanted. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, so, you know, there's so, I just think that we place such a high importance on raising a family that we forget that there's so much more beyond it and that that we lose track. I fully agree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I, um, as I look at us in, in this stage, you know, it was funny, we actually did a survey of what people thought was midlife mm-hmm. and it came back 37 to 65. Yeah. So I was like, whoever the 37 year old is, honey, come here. You're like, I want a tiger because I'm the poor baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the, um, I, I just, you know, we are, we have, we are literally the best we've ever been in our lives. Where we are right now is the best we have ever been now our skin may not be you know our like this upper thing on our arms is not and whatever this waddle <laughs> thing is my neck is not but the rest of us is the best we've ever been the yeah. most experiences the most love the most lost the most failure and gotten back up we have so much and yet it is the time that we tend to step back the most yeah and it's completely wrong you know our wisdom is so needed and you know biblically it's even said you know that our wisdom is so important and yet truly i think society tells us to hand the microphone over to a 20 year old who doesn't even know what a chin hair is yet <laughs> but right. we have to stay in the conversation we have to stay at the top of the mountaintops and yelling i am still here we are still here because we really do have so much to give we do. We do. Yeah. And sometimes we have to insert ourselves into mm-hmm. the environments for that. Don't you believe uh, that we have to like put ourselves in the environments? Because if we're waiting for somebody to come and ask, a lot of times oh, yeah. that may not happen. We have to learn how to be a lot more assertive. No, and and also I think having community is so big. So that would be part of that being assertive into things. But I think a great communities are not made up of necessarily everyone our age, but it, in great community groups, there's that mix where we bring so much to each other, you know, one this age and this age and this age and this age. And when we can have things in our life that gather all of that, the mm-hmm. richness is just, ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And but you I do just, think we have to, sorry, no, I do go think ahead. we have to be bold enough, just what you said to insert. But I think some of that goes back to if you're feeling invisible and lost and all of those things, going back a step again and figuring out who you are in the season of your life and then going full force, absolutely full force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said earlier, because sometimes we assume that the things that we liked in our 20s and our 30s and even our 40s that we're going to that's always going to be us we get we get the flexibility of change we yeah. can find that the things that we enjoyed earlier in our life are not things that we necessarily enjoy anymore 
And so it's okay to recognize that and to change that and to even, um, to even begin to ask ourselves those questions. What is it that I loved doing before, but I don't necessarily love doing now. And what are the things that I had no idea existed before? And now I want to dig into them. I just, uh, I just put out on social media. Does anyone know someone who would do sailing lessons? Cause I think I want to take some sailing lessons. I may hate it, but I think I'd like to try, you know, I, I just think it. it's why the heck not, you know, I don't want to stop. Um, my parents, I'm caretaking, the thing switched a little, and I'm now caretaking probably the most of my mother, who's doing great now. Um, but if you have the um, chance in your life to be around even elderly parents and caring for them, it does light a little bit of fire underneath you. One of the blessings that comes out of it to, I, I think it puts timelines on life and it does make you like, what am I doing? You know, there's no midlife to God. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you know, here's your age. Oh, thanks for coming. I'm Here's your number. And I'm going to call you when your time's up. He calls us to go all the way out, all the way through. Right. Yep. And, and when we feel ourselves pulling back, it's just a pivot point. It's just a recalibration and then a time to go forward. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've gotten into um, flower gardening. Um, that started like two years ago um, when I just planted a small flower garden just so I would have fresh flowers all summer long. And I fell in love with it. And so the next year we did a bigger one. And then the next year we did a bigger oh. one. <laughs> and now I'm so jealous. I now what I do is I um, collect, I go to garage sales and I collect mason jars. And then when people come to my house, I send them outside with a mason jar. And I'm like, <gasps> please go and make yourself a. Um, a bouquet of fresh flowers from my flower garden. And that just blesses my socks off. And uh, I, that's phenomenal. And I didn't even know that I, I mean, I've always enjoyed flowers, but I never thought about doing any kind of a flower garden. I mean, in my mind, garden meant like tomatoes and, you know, corn and spinach and things yeah. like that. And, and this was completely different. And so it's like, it, what that spark of interest, follow it, see if there's something mm -hmm. there. Yeah, mine would look a little bit more like if you could grab a weed on the way out, that would be great. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that would bless my soul so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about, um, you had talked about making a pivot point. So making your midlife a pivot point to a bold and, and powerful season and use the word pivot just a few minutes ago, but talk a little bit more about what that pivot might actually look like. Like let's, let's say there's a woman that is feeling like the most meaningful parts of her life are behind her. Right. What would be a next step to begin that pivot? Well, I think that we make the mistake and we see the midlife point is the beginning of an end. Like if we were to, it's like the the top of a mountain and now we start going downward on it, right? Mm. And it isn't. Um, that's mm -hmm. our, you know, that's what we think. Or there's that invisible line, as you kind of mentioned, and to the left of it's all the great miracles of our life. And to the right of it will be devoid of blessings and miracles at the level that the first half was, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just 
when you say it out loud, that's ridiculous to think that God like times out blessings and miracles. Absolutely right. not. So it's a pivot in our thinking. Number one, like we, this is, we got to get straight. I think some of that granted comes from uh, social media worlds and stuff like that. that yeah. Self-induced to a way. And I'm yeah. a big, you know, yeah, self-induced for sure of what we think the next half is, right? Yep. So um, acknowledging that this is a big season of change. A lot of times children have gone, you're in those different, you know, and sometimes um, you're at retirement stuff and with a husband or, you know, these big pivot points in life. But it doesn't mean it is an ending of something. It's we're pivoting into something new. And so yes. to me, the biggest thing is a mind shift and to see um, and it's a re- redefining of self for sure, right? That yep. this is a time that, oh, I get to I get to turn a page. Oh, and look at this page is blank. And I get to write a whole new story. And the story of what's happened in the past, is that the fuel for the greatness that's to come? Was that story in the past a, a story of a sad life, a great life? Is it, you know, it can be anything, but you get to write the story from this point on. It can be yes. the greatest story ever told. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that mindset, that mindset shift is so important um, because, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, I offer a free uh, resource on my, on my website and it's, uh, for empty nest moms and it's called mindset messages. And it's like, yeah. you've got to change your mindset about this season of life. So, um, absolutely. So mindset is a first step. Um, you, you mentioned also earlier, start getting in touch with who you are. What do you mm-hmm. like? What makes your soul sing? Right. Um, right. what, what's exciting, uh, about that. And then what would you say would be next? You know, I'm sitting here just thinking to myself as you were saying that is I keep hearing the word physical because to me, a a lot of it is physical Um, because this was a big awakening for me to move my body more. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't this like, go get a boob job when I physical. That's not what I mean. Although if that's what you want to go do, do whatever you want to (laughs) do. This is not a judgment zone. But for me, it was... um, being a little more in touch with my body and where I was health wise. And I made the decision to, for me, uh, see a functional medicine doctor and, you know, go through all of my blood work. What did I need to really tackle? What did I need to be serious about changing for the long term? So I would say my physical was big. Mental has been probably the biggest. Um, and, uh, physical would be, would be my second one. And then I've been really on purpose with relationships, relationships Mm -hmm. in my life. It was a little bit of a season of, what what relationships fill my cup and which ones when I'm done with them, I feel drained. Now, there are seasons where you should feel drained because you have a friend that needs something, right? But it's yeah. a small season, right? Right. Um, I'm not talking about this, but the ones that when I was around them, I'm like, oh, I just don't particularly like the way I feel after I'm with you. And deciding that I didn't have to make some big announcement, I could just see that person less and decide that person wasn't in my inner circle um, anymore. And that was okay. You know, Mm -hmm. so giving myself permission to have healthier relationships. Mm, So very, very Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And back to the physical, I would say that um, that was big for me too. I saw a functional medicine Mm -hmm. doctor dug into those things. I I think breast cancer helped also like yeah, you know, it's a motivator, you know, like yeah, I is, want, yeah. I want your, I want my body to be the absolute best. Um, but, uh, yeah. You know, when you said the thing about breast cancer, I did want to add, and I think 
I don't know if you'd agree. I'll say it was the, one of the best things that ever happened to me now. Uh, I, I say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, so I do. whenever somebody gets diagnosed, my heart hurts for her because I know where she is. But I also want to go, oh my gosh, it's going to be like the greatest thing that ever happens to you, which is a terrible thing. But there is that. It's because you just, you get a whole new perspective on life that only people that go through those circumstances get. Yes. I was going to say, we need to unpack why we would say that. And I would right. say, I'm my compassion is deeper. Mm-hmm. My understanding of people in pain and difficult seasons is so much deeper. Um, I'm a much more empathetic person. Um, and my, my spiritual life was spiritual, uh, huge. So, uh, strengthened mm-hmm. in that season of life. Yeah. And I, I got to see, um, people, I feel like I got to see miracle after miracle through people around me that mm. I was just in awe of their goodness. Like I, I just, mm. it got, I got to see the spiritual giftings of other people in a way I would have never seen had I not been sick. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that, that somebody would come over to my house and clean just to love on me. That blew me away because it's so far off of anything I would do. Yes. Um, and so those kind of simple moments in life that all together collectively just, uh, just was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Just well, amazing. I would agree with that because I thought, I thought it expanded my perspective of how to serve people too. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember mm-hmm. my surgery was three days before Christmas or four days before Christmas. And a girlfriend called like the day after my surgery and she said, do you have all of your Christmas gifts wrapped? And I was like, no, nope. Couldn't even begin to think about that. And she's like, all right, my daughter and I'll be there tomorrow and we'll get them all wrapped. I mean, it was so specific. It was, it was just so beautiful. And that is, that really expanded me to think a little bit differently and how I can serve people. It, it, um, I, you just said something that reminded me. I loved when people just said, I, I don't need you to say what you need, but I'm coming over tomorrow at four o'clock, blah, 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 blah. Because yep. I just was like, no, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, and we're fine. Just that, yeah, we're dropping what, it off. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I always, um, say too is that, um, don't ask people what they need. They don't no. know what they need. Just do it. You know they need to eat. You know they need a clean house. You know the yeah. basics in this world. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally <laughs> agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, all the things. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Well, this has been a great conversation, Dawn. Thank it you. And I feel like we could probably talk for days on oh, all we, the things. I have no doubt. We could go in all kinds of different directions. But uh, where's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, dawnbarton.com is my website, but I am most active on Instagram, which is Dawn R. Barton on Instagram. I always say it's like a, like a pirate's R, Dawn R. Barton. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. And the same, same on Facebook. I'm Dawn R. Barton on Facebook as well. So, um, yeah. And it's me that answers, uh, you know, I'm just not that important that somebody else has to answer my messages. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. Well, you know what? Um, we'll put show notes. We'll put links to all mm-hmm. of your um, the the book, uh, Midlife Battle Cry. We'll also put um, links to your other book um, that you mentioned it's- earlier. Um, so for those of you that are listening, uh, check out the show notes to links to anything that we've talked about today. Dawn, would you be willing to pray for our listeners as we bring this to a I close? would be honored. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, oh, Lord, thank you so much for this conversation and for the women that are listening. Lord, let this moment stir their souls, this very moment, stir their souls that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are not done with them. This is just the beginning of something beautiful and magnificent in your life. Lord, I thank you just for for women and conversations. Let us mm-hmm. always talk. Let us always share and let us always come to you. It is in your son Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.